Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Yo, technology, what is it all about? Instagram has just become a shopping platform. Influencers are now just a new media buy. And I, I hope what's happening in this in this evolution, which COVID has kind of catalyzed, is that people are not looking for that aspirational content anymore. That's why platforms like TikTok have just completely exploded, is because it's funny, relevant content from normal everyday people. And it's not this aspirational avocado lifestyle that influences Shill. Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley. I am your host, Danny Fortson, West Coast correspondent for the Sunday Times. And we are back. Thank you for tuning in yet again. How are you all doing? I'm doing actually pretty well. This time next week, I'll be doing even better because I have about a week, week and a half left before I have a week off from work. I cannot wait, let me tell you. I am counting the days. But don't worry, the pod will go on. I've been very, very busy these last couple weeks stacking up interviews with wildly interesting folks. So you will not be bereft. And indeed, to that point, you're about to hear from one of those very interesting people right now. But first, I have a question. Are you a joiner? Do you do clubs? I know that in high school for me, some friends and I, we even started a club. It was called the East Side Coalition for a bunch of us who were from kind of the other side of town from everybody else in the school we went to. We did retreats, events, mixed in some community service and generally just messed around, had a great time. But I wouldn't consider myself generally one of these people that does lots of clubs. But if you are, would you go so far as to join a club based on your love of, say, Nike shoes or Kellogg's cornflakes? may sound like a weird idea, but this is basically the idea for this week's guest. Her name is Amber Atherton, and she's the founder of Zyper, which is based here out in uh, San Francisco. And what they do is basically use some very clever technology to track down kind of super fans for a given company, group them all together, and then put them in touch with the company. And they kind of create this like little community of super fans around, you know, you know, pick your company, pick your brand. Again, it may seem like a strange idea, but Zyper's raised $10 million for it. They've signed up loads of big brands who, I guess when you think about it, maybe it's not surprising. They want to know who their biggest fans are, be in touch with them, get their feedback, etc. And some of those brands include, of course, Kellogg's, maker of said cornflakes. But the way Atherton sees it, uh, Zyper is kind of like the antidote to the rise of the social media influencers who have, you know, who basically take payola to flog products and it's become this kind of quite big industry, uh, billions of dollars. But if you're not convinced of the idea, have a listen, because we talk about that. We talk about generally the state of kind of 
online advertising, which of course is the way this whole internet thing works, where it is, where it's going, what's wrong with it. I think you really enjoy the conversation. And Atherton has a super interesting kind of personal backstory, which includes, without giving too much of the game away here, a stint as a reality TV show star. This is a true story. So it'll give you some stuff to think about, especially as you scroll through your phone, um, which you may be doing as you listen to this very podcast. So without further ado, I give you Amber Atherton, founder of Zyper. Enjoy. What up in the East Bay? It's just sunny and beautiful and cool and vibrant. And, it's cool. <laughs> you know, not like lame old San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, so kidding. lame over here. <laughs> so where to begin? Why don't you just give a brief description of what Zyper is and then we can talk about what's happening out there in the world and then kind of get into it that way. Okay. What in the world is Zyper? Zyper is a software platform that helps brands connect to their true fans and build community. So what we mean by that is, it's kind of like someone described it to me recently as, okay, everybody talks about net promoter score, but Zyper is like net promoter more. We get all of your true fans together in this branded chat environment and you're able to connect with your fans and get insights from them and kind of just co-create with them. So I'm Mrs. Fields Cookies, for example, and I launch a new chocolate chip and walnut extravaganza. Delicious. It does sound delicious, doesn't it? If I was working with Zyper, you would have found a bunch of my mega super duper fans. They would all be in one place and be like, oh, this is terrible. Oh, this is cool. Oh, you should do this. Oh, you should do that, etc. Exactly. I mean, you would be surprised at how many brands don't actually know who their top 1% of fans are. So that is what our software does, is help them uncover these everyday consumers who are genuine fans of their brand and invite them to be part of their community where they can give insights and collaborate with them on marketing and sales. And how do you find these people? So we find these people through a combination of computer vision. So we have a pattern on our computer vision that runs on top of social media, primarily Instagram, but we also look at Pinterest and YouTube. And we are finding people who are connected to the brand uh, through their content. But we're also looking at natural language processing. So running scripts on top of YouTube or other publicly available social media data in order to identify true connections. Uh, so people who are talking about a brand, who follow a brand, so we can determine, okay, this person has a genuine affinity to the brand. We also enrich customer data. So we work with our customers to help them better understand who their, who their fans are and what their social media presence is. Then we come up with a list of who the top 1% of fans are. And so this is what you're doing now. Zyper has raised, how much have you guys raised? Just under 10 million. Just under 10 million. And you're in San Francisco. In San Francisco, I started the company in London in 2017. And then I very spontaneously applied to Y Combinator, which is the accelerator program out here. And we got in, long story short. And that is how I ended up in a garage in Palo Alto, living the Silicon Valley dream. And now I'm still here. So can we go back further? Before we got on, I looked at your LinkedIn page and it goes all the way back. And one of your first jobs was intern at Vogue. 
<laughs> really got to update the old LinkedIn page. <laughs> uh, yes, I did. I was an intern at Vogue for about three months. I interned in the editorial department and opened people's mail for them. That sounds exciting. So it wasn't exactly like a Devil Wears Prada type situation? No, in my head it was. In reality, it was very much me getting paper cuts and putting mail on people's desks and uh, <laughs> doing a bit of photocopying. But, you know, got to start somewhere. So it was an interesting experience for sure. But after that, so you, you started another company before this, correct? I did. Yeah, I did. I mean, I was one of those kids who my dad taught me how to code spent a lot of time on neopets in different online games neopets yeah (laughs) i have no idea what that is neopets was like peak 90s child platform it's like a gaming platform where you could build pages and play in this online world and that's how i really got into html css and i would build little things on that and trade goods and services. That was kind of my introduction. My dad was a computer hobbyist, so I kind of got into that. And I just set up loads of different websites in childhood, like e-card. I designed a lot of e-cards, if you remember e-cards, where you'd send, spend a lot of time. I just received an an e-card from my my mother-in-law. Wow. Father's Day. It's still going as an industry. Mm. Maybe it's one of mine out in the ether. So I did that. And I'm getting to the point of when I was 16, I started this blog and I was living in Hong Kong and I started buying jewelry and taking photographs and putting it on this blog and kind of doing content marketing around the jewelry. And people used to buy the jewelry, then became a marketplace, one of the biggest in Europe. And we had 300 different jewelry designers on there. But Zyper spun out of my e-commerce company as a acquisition channel. So um, it all does make sense. What was that company called? You're going to cringe at this. so um, I know. I, I'm asking because I already know the answer. Age 16, this, this sounded cool. It was called My Flash Trash. So Very cool. It was cool at the time. Uh, <laughs> I had to add the my in because somebody already had Flash Trash. So I was in the computer room at school thinking, yeah, my Flash Trash, that sounds cool. So that was fun when going into VC offices saying my company is very serious. Uh, <laughs> but you never raised money for that or anything. That was just I raised a little that... bit of angel money for it. Yeah. And it kind of was like my business school, to be honest. Like I was doing it at school. I dropped out of university, raised this angel money and... But never, never properly scaled it. We ended up doing a merger with a Chinese manufacturing company who kind of took over the company. But it was an awesome experience that led me to understanding social marketplaces and community on a very deep level, which is the foundation of what Zyper is today. So, yeah. And how old are you now, can I ask? 29. I mean, the, the, spending the last year oh, of my 20s welcome. in quarantine, yeah, yeah. which is fantastic. <laughs> And so when you came out here for Y Combinator was, because a lot of people we talked to on this podcast have ended up here via Y Y Combinator. And I would say half to two thirds came out here on one idea, were there for a month and realized that's a terrible idea or were informed it was a terrible idea and then had to switch and do something else. Was that your experience or was, have you stuck with, was Zyper the idea. Zyper was the idea, but I give YC mad credit for just being so straight up with people all the time, being like, 
why are you doing that? That isn't the right focus. You shouldn't be doing that. And honestly, it was an incredible experience and feedback loop from that perspective, just to really give you this toolbox of, hold on, is this my North Star? Am I actually building something people want? That is the core of YC. It's always pushing you to question, hold on, this isn't about building a company. It's about building a solution to a problem. And does that problem exist? Mm. And is that problem big enough? And I think for Zyper, it was. The way that we explained the company evolved to be slightly more coherent, but the problem remained the same in that brands need a way to connect to their fans and build community at scale. And today, if they're not using Zyper as it was two years ago in YC, they're using an Excel spreadsheet in a very manual, laborious way of trying to communicate with their top fans. And that's what we're building a solution for more scalable way to build community. And what's in it for the companies? Like go back to my Mrs. Fields example or whatever, Nike or some other more specialized brand. Like why do I care? Okay, now I have all these super fans in one place. Then what? Yeah, so I mean, having a proximity to your top fans is kind of invaluable. It helps you remain relevant. It's a very like real-time feedback loop on product. You're getting this kind of focus group with your top fans, but also you're driving loyalty. You know, just... The everyday consumer of Mrs. Fields, it's likely you've had really no brand love for them. Like most brands completely ignore their fans. And what we prove is if you just actually recognize these people, they are more likely to repeat purchase and have a much higher LTV. So honestly, community is like free capital on your balance sheet and every brand should have it as part of their marketing stack. You're getting loyalty. You're also getting free marketing in a sense that you're, co- you're collaborating with your fans on content. So we all know that user-generated content performs better than brand-created assets. And I think particularly now in COVID, you're not going to you know studios to create content or very overly priced agencies. So why not just work with your real customers who can create content that actually generates conversions? So that's a big plus of the community. And uh, the final sell, just I'm really selling this now. <laughs> sorry, you've come on the Zyper no, selling sorry. podcast, is, um, is driving sales. You know, 83% of people trust friends and family recommendations more than any other form of advertising. So for brands, it's a no-brainer to allow your fans, your top net promoters, to help you, you know, sell product. And if I'm already a true fan of Mrs. Fields and I say, oh, Danny, this, this new macadamia cookie is just amazing, you're much more likely to be like, oh, well, Amber's always loved Mrs. Fields, so I kind of trust her. And that is what we're trying to do, is bring back trust, which has been so heavily eroded by things like influencers or Facebook is we want to bring it back to real people and decentralized advertising. Brands that use you guys? Yeah. So food and Bev is a big vertical for us. So Kellogg's, uh, General Mills, Danone, and then we have LVMH. Uh, so, you know, the, the luxury, luxury guys, and then fantastic British retailers like a Bowdoin or a Bloom and Wild. So yeah, we use Zypers where brand build communities. So hopefully every brand will be using our- Influencer marketing. We've written a lot about this. I did a piece last, I think it was last year. I dove down the, the kind of the rabbit hole and it was around kind of the fake follower where people try to get 
show they have more followers, which means they have more influence, which means they're paid more for posts, etc. And so I went, I found a German company that I paid, I think I paid 20 bucks and they got me 500 followers on Instagram. Yeah. It was instant. And they were all just fake accounts, bots yep. or whatever. It's a complete pandemic in the virtual influence world because it seemed like such a good solution to brands at the time like wow well it seems like kind of what you're saying like oh this person i like to follow them on instagram they're cool i'll follow what they do blah 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 but it's become this kind of it seems like it's become quite perverted oh absolutely and there's no transparency it's very gray like you said people can buy followers in five minutes and that is not the way to build trust with consumers. And I think, you know, only 4% of global consumers actually trust what an influencer says. So for brands, what seems like a quick, quick fix in that, oh, wow, I can get a piece of content and relatively good reach. When you actually start drawing the curtains behind that, you're like, hold on, this re- none of this reach is real. And uh, moreover, influencers are just becoming, it's so generic. It's just the same type of content. It's you pay me to post about this tea and then I'll post about the competitor the next day. And I think that's the other part of the erosion is that when there's a financial element to it, how do I know that what you're you're truly recommending recommending this product? So to that point on Zyper, if I'm um, in the group, if your system has found me and said, hey, do you want to join this? Because you said it's effectively like a kind of a Slack channel of super fans, basically. Yeah, totally. It's like a ch- it's a closed chat app. So we would right. identify you as a fan, and then we invite you to come in to this closed chat based environment to collaborate with the with the brand and. And what's in it for me as the fan? To to your point around influencers getting paid for posts, what do I get as a fan? Yeah, so there are there are some types of rewards. So brands will often give fans early access to products. So it might be uh, if it's you know working with a media company, it might be access to a pilot of a new TV show, or it might right. be access from a beauty company to a brand new type of mascara. And as a super fan, you're getting access to that content or that product first. So that's part of it, but it is not the main incentive. The main incentive is that, hey, this is a space where you can chat and meet other people who share your passion and interest in this brand. And by the way, the topics that are haloed off that brand. So, you know, with Tom's Shoes, it might be you're into vegan recipes or you're into eco living. And it gives you this environment where you can actually just talk about things you're interested in through the brand. So that is the the value prop is that you get to be in, in a community space and actually form friendships. But then secondly, yeah, you get cool perks from the brand that are rewards and also digital experiences. I think some of the cool things that brands have done have, you know, bring their fans to their headquarters or do a live Zoom call with the creative director to talk through new season looks or to give a masterclass. So there's all of these things that brands can do to bring their fans, you know, behind the curtain of brand building. And I think that is just how the best brands are going to be built today and tomorrow. It's like D2C brands have community at the core of their product development and marketing. And that's what it's about. It's like feeling involved in that you're, you're valued in the creation of this brand. I'm just thinking about this as like, you know, I've had 
for example, on Instagram, I've had super, let's call it mixed experiences with brands that are kind of mostly on Instagram. You know, whether it's like, I don't know, a pair of like cool sweats or a blanket or whatever, you know, the, the things that fill your feed. And it all looks super slick. And half the time, when you actually try to actually purchase something, the product is terrible or it takes three months to get there, or it doesn't show up at all. It feels like there's a lot of, there's a whole lot of smoke and mirrors, and I'm just wondering how, what the response has been to this, to your pitch, which is kind of trying to build trust, is that, I imagine when you got here, maybe it was one way, or how has it evolved? Because it does feel like everything on the internet is fake. (laughs) I'd say it's evolved in two ways. I'd say that one, Instagram has just become a shopping platform. Instagram is no longer a social network. I'm not, I don't even ever see my friend's content. I can't even find my friend's content on Instagram anymore. It's impossible. All I'm seeing is shopping and like ads for shopping. And then I, I would say with kind of influencers is that influencers are now just a new media buy. And I, I hope what's happening in this, in this evolution, which COVID has kind of catalyzed, is that people are not looking for that aspirational content anymore. That's why platforms like TikTok have just completely exploded is because it's funny, relevant content from normal everyday people. And it's not this aspirational avocado lifestyle that influences shill. I think it's about creators and experts. There'll always be a place for the influencer economy, but it's one now that I think that, you know, YouTube or TikTok creators can really take advantage of or specific experts who have a real expertise in their area and are trusted. So the typical kind of person in a Zyper group, can they also be an influencer? It's very, it's interesting because we, you know, we came out of the gate with a very anti-influencer position. We were like, Zyper is not an influencer platform. This is an influencer-free zone. We don't pay people. This is true, authentic consumers who are fans. And, you know, at Cannes Lion last year, we had all of these like road signs up along the corset at the advertising festival saying, stop paying influencers, no influencers. And now... We're trying to open up the app and open up these communities to be more inclusive. So, you know, if you are an influencer, you're welcome to come in and be part of the space, but don't expect to be, you know, paid. Don't expect, <laughs> don't expect payola. Yeah. You know, we want people to have careers. So many, so many people in these communities are, you know, they're nurses, they're graphic designers, they're artists, and we want people to have, you know, to, to see collaborating with a brand as like a creative fun outlet and not kind of a career it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync Things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So when you were making this pitch on Sand Hill Road or wherever you made the pitch. This idea of basically creating clubs that maybe in, you know, here in the U.S., obviously, in high school, you have lots of different clubs. You have, you know, the kind of sci-fi film club, whatever it may be. Basically creating the idea of creating clubs around a brand, which just when you say it out loud sounds kind of (laughs) weird. How was that received? How hard of a sell was that? When people get it, they just instantly get it. We were so fortunate to have Forerunner, you know, lead our round. Forerunner Ventures, incredible fund at the kind of forefront of all consumer trends. They back Glossier, Warby Parker, and they immediately understood that people, it's community first and then brand. People want to be part of community and then brand. So I think how we try and explain it is like, think about Facebook and Facebook groups, like people join groups and join brands pages there. So there's already evidence that people want to do that. But I think the opportunity we have is that people don't really want to be on Facebook anymore. People don't. Well, so I was going to say, so there's a fair amount of like scuttlebutt around and I, you never really know how much of this is real or kind of significant, but you do have some big brands saying, okay, we're not going to advertise on Facebook. Yeah, I mean, I kind of see Zyper as arming these Facebook rebels. We want people, we want brands to own their own community. We want Zyper to give the tools for brands to be able to do what they do really well, which is create a great product, create great experiences, and allow their fans and consumers to be a part of that. And that's what we want to create for the world. It's fun. It's so exciting to have everyday consumers. I mean, we get, I mean, imagine you know, your favorite brand, Nike, or even like Nestle Toll House Cookies slides in your DMs or recognizes you and is like, hey, Danny, we'd love to invite you to be part of this. It's it's kind of cool and people get really hyped on it. So I think that we just want to create a great experience for consumers like that. And that isn't kind of what Facebook. I must confess, I've never thought I'd hear the phrase Nestle sliding into your DMs. We have a poster in the office, actually, that just says it goes down in the DM because (laughs) there's the whole economy. I mean, if you look at China and like WeChat, so much of that brand consumer experience is through chat. And it's so much more open in the East, you know, like you, you are in these kind of chat based environments. You talk directly with brands and brand representatives and to me, that is obviously going to be the next frontier in social. It's like closed chat. You want to collaborate directly with brands and it can all live 
within this environment. In your anti-influencer stance, how was that received generally? Was that kind of, I don't know, good publicity? <laughs> well, I guess I, it comes from a personal experience in that I was involved in this reality show in the UK. I did co-create this show over there. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's stop talking about everything else now. <laughs> what? Yes. I mean, this comes from a specific, unique experience in that in 20, I think I was like 19, 20 years old, and I was very lucky to be involved in the creation of this show called Made in Chelsea. And I was living there at the time. I remember, I know, I must confess, I did not watch Made in Chelsea, but I remember it being a, a very much a thing. It's still very much a thing. I mean, it's yeah. still still going. So totally. But that was a that was a amazing experience for me to essentially see the dark side of what it is to be a influencer, to get followers, and to have brands saying, "Hey, we'll pay you anything to post about." So, what did you do on the show? So, primarily, the show was about uh, me talking about my jewelry commerce company. So there were no product placement laws on TV, on reality TV in the UK at the time. So every time I mentioned my company, I was just on air to like millions my, of people. My flash trash. <laughs> exactly. I mean, honestly, the first episode of Made in Chelsea was my flash trash jewelry party outside a club. So, wow. Yeah. Uh, flashback to those times. And it was phenomenal for the business. You know, we, I went from a bit, it being a kind of niche, kind of vogue fashion thing to, yeah. wow, every teenager in the UK is now on this website buying jewelry. So uh, it was great from business point of view, but also fascinating as a learning experience from just essentially becoming an influencer. And, uh, and how long were you on the show? I did two seasons until uh, I decided the reality life was not for me. But why? Like what? I imagine it was a kind of a steady drip drip, or I don't know if there was an event, but like what, what was the experience like? I mean, why did you decide, okay, that's enough? I think you probably walk into these things with a, a sort of false sense of na like a naivety in that you think you're going to control what you're mm. presented as you know i'm like i'm an entrepreneur i've got this business i'm not going to talk about relationships i'm going to talk about you know building this company and it's very that's my plan however you do not have edit control of what character you are so i think that tension between what i understood myself to be and then what i was edited as caused me to realize you know actually i, I don't I don't really want to do this <laughs> How did you get drawn into it in the first place? Here's how I got drawn into it. One of my second internships after Vogue was working at a digital agency called Wednesday. And I was running my e-commerce company. I was interning at this agency. And it was, like I said, 1920. And on the same floor in Shoreditch, where the office was, was this TV production company. And I became mates with one of the runners at this TV production company. And it was a summer and we were talking about Gossip Girl and the Hills. And it very organically happens. I want to create this show. And so we just went around with a very old school handheld camera over a summer filming a whole variety of different social groups that I was tapped into. And um, honestly, didn't really think it was going to become anything. And then it did. So were you also like a producer or what was the, what was your kind of credit on the show? No. And I think pro probably a regret on my side is not, not taking it seriously enough. 
Because if you, you could still be cashing them checks right now. Well, I, I know. Lessons, lessons learned. But I just was not taking it seriously. I was so focused on my e-commerce company. And I was, I really wanted to just grow that. And I was like, great, this TV show is an awesome growth hack for this. And I, I just wasn't seriously considering that it would ever be, ever be anywhere near as big as it is now. So yeah, lesson learned. Always get the contract signed early on <laughs> right and so you left i did yeah and then i i did the merger with the uh, jewelry company i then spent about a year and a half kind of thinking about zyper and how it could become something and i'd seen this insight around brand fans so the, the company was originally called in another very kitsch fashion brand fangirl and i was building these fangirl communities around brands and was trying to work out, okay, how, how do I build the technology layer underneath this to really scale up community? And uh, that led me down a couple of different paths, one of which was creating a <laughs> creating a Instagram caption app, so which we still use some of the computer vision of today. So you take a photo, it would link into Rap Genius and good quote and give you a sick caption for your Instagram, millennial problems, just solving millennial problems all over the place. Anyway, uh, and then I got really serious about Zyper and renamed it from brand fan girl to Zyper, realizing that I needed a, I needed to own the Google search results. It was kind of like Gen Z hype to make up a word. And um, yeah, just got to it, raised a seed round in London, then then YC. So did you get any of your uh, showbiz world involved in terms of investing or otherwise? <laughs> no, no celebrity investors. No, just, <laughs> I just sort of retreated from that world back into my true child Neopet Coda self. You know, I should have been out here from the beginning. Is what I think. <laughs> <laughs> Was there one, um, and then I swear we'll stop talking about reality TV. It's just, you know, I never get reality TV in any way, shape, or form on this podcast, so it's kind of interesting. Was there one experience where you're like, this is a, a crazy world? Whether it was good, bad, or indifferent, but you're just like, whoa. Honestly, I don't think anything really prepares you for fame. You think you know what it is in your head, but then at the time, you know, reality TV was just emerging in the UK and it became a sensation. I mean, there was The mm. Only Way is Essex and then Made in Chelsea. And overnight, it was incredibly intense. Paparazzi outside your house, just like being paid to go to clubs and all of this crazy stuff. And it's, it's just, just comes all at once. And then it's taken away from you all at once. Like poor, just very... Um, intense. It's just weird when you go into a, a Starbucks and you're like, then people just take photos of you and you're like, hello, and they just, you know, think that you can't hear them. I think that's the one thing that always made me laugh with people like, oh my God, is that Anna Amber? That girl's on, I think she's on Main Chelsea. I'm like, I can, I have, I can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, obviously nothing compared to, it was just a very, very small level of yeah. reality fame, but it was nonetheless an interesting human experience and so here you are you've raised 10 million dollars do you have an office <laughs> those are so 2019 danny i, I know. know who has offices I anymore? Know. we 
actually literally just gave up our office. We are now a remote first company. We are living in a distributed world. We want to hire great engineering talent wherever they are. And I will be staying in San Francisco. We still have core part of our team here, but um, planning to open that up to wherever great talent is. Why stay here? Just because you like it? Or is there, because there, there is this, as you well know, a lot of chatter that, you know, everybody's leaving. You don't need to be here anymore. It's too expensive. COVID means you can work from anywhere, blah, 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 blah. Why stay? I just don't think that you can erase the magnetic pull and the history of Silicon Valley. There's just so much great energy and history here. Great companies starting here, great companies scaling here that perhaps people won't be here full time, but to me, it's, it's too magnetic a place to just up and leave. I want yeah. our base to be here. And I don't think that all the chatter will actually turn into reality. And that is all the time we have. I want to thank Amber for taking the time to speak. I want to thank you for listening, for tuning in, for, of course, stopping right now and giving a review, at least a rating, a review if you're feeling very char- charitable on the Apple Podcast Store because that helps other people find us. So do take a moment, go to Apple Podcasts and do that if you haven't already. I will be writing about all kinds of different stuff in the Sunday Times this weekend. I don't want to spoil it. I'll leave you hanging on the knife edge there, but there's lots of stuff in the paper this weekend, so do check that out. Subscribe to the newspaper. That helps everybody, including me. I will be back. I think we're going to do another pod maybe toward the end of this week or early next week, and then we'll do the, the normal Friday morning pod as, as usual. So lots of stuff to come. And like I said, we've got some really great guests coming up. So please stick around. Please stay safe, stay sane, and have a great weekend.